Welcome, everyone, to the third episode of the Mobile Meeple People podcast. My name is Adam. I'm joined with Gary again. And uh, again, it's going to be the same as usual. We'll be talking about board games and other things that are board game related. Apologize. I feel like I'm a little out of breath because I've been chasing my puppy around for the last 10, 15 minutes trying to get her inside. So trying to like catch my breath. But actually, I guess we'll just jump right into it and give me a chance, Gary, if you want to talk about the game you played without me, which I'm a little jealous because I wasn't feeling well and you wound up hanging out with our friends. But um yeah, tell me about uh, the game Abduction that you played. So Abduction, uh, spelled A-B-D-U-C-K-T-I-O-N, as in, you know, the foul or the mallard, is a game where you are trying to collect a group of ducks in specific patterns. Three cards will come out in various ones, like it'll be across the ten, you'll have to have, like, matching color in, you know, a square of four or alternating across or various different ones and there's i believe five different colors of the ducks so it's not a specific one it's any of those that you can match you move the ducks around by using um, cards and the cards will have different actions sometimes it'll be get rid of all of the ducks on everybody's boards of a certain color or it'll be take a duck from somebody else's and swap it with one of yours there's a lot of different things your turn is either to play the three cards that you have or to match one of the uh, three cards to score points. Uh, the harder it is to get the pattern, the more points it is, and the game goes until all of the court cards have been taken by the various people. The Another thing of note is the ducks are kept in a little silicon UFO. So you pull them out of the UFO. That's the other end of the abduction part. So you're basically trying to abduct ducks in these patterns. It was a fairly simple game. We ended up playing it twice, which is something we'll touch upon a couple times in this episode, that it seems like when you're playing the shorter games, it really helps to play a game a couple times over. I know Adam and I generally like to play a lot of different games, but especially when people are learning, it's really good to play them through the first time, and then they can kind of reflect on, okay, this is how I did or what I did last time. Now that I have a better grasp, I can kind of strategize a little bit better. Yeah, I think you touched on, like, that's good with the strategy, too, because even with us, we've played quite a few games, and a lot of games have similar mechanics, but that doesn't mean that you're going to get the game right away. And even if you do get the game right away, you might play it through and understand it, but you weren't able to really strategize and, you know, plan your moves out and things like that. So even mm-hmm. people that have been playing board games for a while, I think that helps as well just playing it a second or a third time. How did you like that overall? Like, is that is probably going to be in our normal rotation? I know it's not either one of our games, but is that something that we see probably getting pulled out fairly often? Being that it's one of the games that uh, Heather owns now, she has a small collection, but added to the other ones, I think that it's something that, you know, when we go over there, it's something we could bring out. Being that you haven't played it before, I think it's definitely worth playing. It's a nice game. Fairly simple and easy to learn the rules and dive into the game. You don't have to have a lot of, you know, in order to take this action, you have to have these. It's pretty straightforward, but there's enough randomness and fun to the game. 
Uh, one of our friends was trying to strategize, and every time it got to his turn, he had found that the state of the boards had changed so much that he's like, all right, you know what? I'm just going to, like, when it's my turn, I'll see what's going on. So I personally do enjoy those games because you don't have people spending 15 minutes a turn being like, all right, if I do this, then that person does this, and it eliminates some of that. I think it's a fun game. It's fairly reasonably priced as well. The overall... I believe it plays two to four. There might be a single-player mode to it, but I'm not positive. I don't honestly pay attention to a lot of the single-player games because, personally, I think if I'm going to play a game solo, I might as well just play a video game. The reason I'm playing board games is for the social aspect, generally. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I don't get solo board games. I mean, I guess if you're doing something, I don't know, like watching a show and you want to sort of – keep busy on commercial breaks or something like that, maybe like that was something I used to do when I played uh, Magic the Gathering was I would deck build while I'm watching a show. So, you know, I would gather cards and things like that, but I don't see playing a board game by myself being an option. I don't think I ever have. Have you ever actually played a board game by yourself? I think there's been a couple times that I've played, like, a game that had, like, a solo mode, and I just wanted to see how they brought the solo mode about. I don't think I've really ever put a lot of time into them, but it was kind of how I gauged my, like, yeah, I'm not really into this. I'd rather just wait and play the game with somebody else. That being said, there is one game that I'm planning on probably taking some time and doing a solo mode, and that's the Arkham Horror card game because that's a solo-driven story game. So that might be a game that I'm actually going to try to do solo mode. So if mm-hmm. I do, then we can cover that later. But, yeah, I'm the same way. I usually don't want to – I don't want to play a game, a board game solo. I'd rather just do a video game, because then you have at least some AI or something that you're playing against. Right. Nice. Yeah, I mean, and it's the fact that it's a quick game, too. I I like that, that you can throw that out and play that 10, 15, 20-minute game. It doesn't have to be a long one. So the fact that she has that and maybe in between games, it's, uh, you know, from what I've seen on pictures, it's not like a huge setup game either, too. So it's something that, okay, we played this, let's play a quick match of abduction and then move on to the next one. On another note... (laughs) On the complete opposite spectrum, because since you were saying, uh, you know, you couldn't plan your turns ahead of time and everything else, uh, the other day I actually played Castles of Burgundy. So this is an older game that came out quite a while ago. I guess it falls under one of those classic board games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've never played it before, but uh, Brant, uh, our friend, who actually also has a podcast, uh, Get a chance to check it out. It's called The Right Brain Rollers. Uh, you can only listen to them after you listened to all our episodes and five-starred all our episodes. But you're more than welcome to listen to them. He's great. So he lived right down the street from me and was like, hey, you got an hour to kill. Why don't you come mm-hmm. over and play this game with my wife? And I was like, actually, yeah, I, I got about an hour. Uh, I couldn't really spare any more time that, but since he's right I think uh, two minutes, I think, is the actual time that it takes to drive to his house. So played that. He showed me that. And interesting game. It's older, so it's it's very dry. You're building this town with castles and 
mm-hmm. uh, has rivers and has fields and yeah, I mean your typical you know tile laying game. So you're acquiring these tiles, placing them down, and how you acquire them is you roll dice and the two numbers you have let you do a couple different actions. So there'll mm-hmm. be different numbers associated to different tiles. So three tiles pretty much to a number, at least in a three-player game. And you ex- collect those tiles, then you place them off to the side of your board, and then you can also use those die to place the tiles. So you have a board that's set up with you know certain blue colors. You have the green colors, so... Obviously, water tiles can only go on the blue, but also the blue tiles also have a number on it, like two or three or four. So you need a die with the number two on it to actually place it. And you can also trade in your die to get workers that allow you to increase or decrease your die roll by placing certain tiles that obviously triggers something. You know, uh, the city tiles were the biggest ones that allow you to either trigger you know, placing another tile, collecting another tile. Uh, you can collect silver, and then the silver can use to turn in to get more tiles. And you're gathering a stupid amount of points. The All three of us, uh, it was me, Brant, and his wife playing, had over 200 points. So it's, and it's, I guess, your typical Euro game. It has that track around the board where, you know, every little thing you do, you're pretty much gathering points. And at first it's like, oh, five points here, six points here. And then, like you said, a little different than abduction where you're planning your turns out. And there's certain times where, you know, someone will grab, like you said, even in abduction, grab that card to gain points. Someone grabs the tile that you wanted and you're like, oh, I was going to use this tile to activate this tile to then trigger this ability so there's a couple of, you know, there's a couple options out there that, you know, you you plan it out and then all of a sudden it goes away. And you can mm-hmm. even actually alter the playing turn, too. So you can go first next turn, depending on what tile you acquire as well. I think it was the boat. So it was very strategic. A uh, lot of thinking ahead, planning out your moves, trying to get mm-hmm. those combos where things trigger off each other and things like that. I really enjoyed it. It was fun. It overall seemed really complicated when I was learning it, but then once you get the flow of it, you sort of get it. Mm-hmm. But it's it's so big, and I was trying to concentrate on what I was doing, and you know how I sometimes like to play, where it's like, okay, mm-hmm. am I going to take a tile that helps me or that mm-hmm. blocks someone else? Um, so it also had that. That was pretty much the only player interaction I would say. There's not something where you're like, oh, I destroy your castle, or oh, I do that. It's mostly you're taking a tile uh, that affects that other person. And mm-hmm. a lot of the times when a tile was taken, it was like, oh, I wanted that one, and you didn't even realize you were just taking it sort of to build up your own town or whatever you're doing. But mm-hmm. this is a fun game. Uh, like I said, it's a ton of points that you're grabbing. We played it in a about an hour, and again, I was just learning it for the first time too, but picked up pretty quick. And I like the different. Just it was a different aspect of, I guess, worker placement. I don't know how you want to describe like roll the die, and then you'd be like, okay, I'm going to use the die to take this area, which allows me to do mm-hmm. this tile, you know, or gain this tile. So little worker placement, and uh, I like the die roll. And again, it was luck aspect, but you could also collect workers that sort of let you get the number you want. Although there was one point where I was like, all right, I'm going to do this and this. And I roll and I got two ones. 
and I did not have enough workers to get my numbers. And I was like, well, that sort of stinks, but gives you options to, to, you know, if you do have a bad role to sort of collect resources and help you on your next role. So it was an interesting game. I would say three was a, a sweet spot for, for that game. Two, I feel like would be too mm-hmm. fighty. You know, you would be purposely trying to block the other person and take tiles that you might not necessarily need. Uh, the good thing I would say about that that sort of stops that is you're only allowed to really keep three tiles off to the side before you place them on your board. So you can't like hoard all the castle tiles or something like that. So it does stop you from at least doing that, but. It could be back and forth with that, and um, I would say that I wouldn't like it that much if it was two player. But I think three player was good because you didn't have you didn't have people sort of going after other people's tiles just to block them, which mm-hmm. I think might might defeat the purpose of that game. But yeah. right, sounds like a more complicated version of Carcassonne. I don't know if you've ever played that game. Yeah, yeah, I played that game a while ago um, over Noel's aunt's house, and yeah, it was it was similar to the, it, I would say you'd place tiles. Um, you know, I feel like there's a lot of games that are t- tile placement, but it was more like when you place the tiles, something would trigger, and mm-hmm. you'd get points that way. Where Carcassonne, like I know, it's mostly the territory that you're trying to complete. Um, you would get points for completing like a certain section of field or a certain section of town or river. So it would be something like that, but it was really when you place the tile, it's usually like the combo of the trigger, you know, it would trigger a combo and that would be the way you get those points. And that's why the points were so insane with like 200 something. I remember I just had a bunch of cows and you get a point for each cow. And every time you place another one, that, initial uh, cow tile triggers plus the new one. So you place one cow, it's three cows on it, and then you have another tile with four cows on it, then you get seven. And then if you place Mm -hmm. another cow tile with three on it, it's ten points. And then I had another specialty tile that every time I placed an animal tile, it triggered something else. So it's a lot of those combo things where you're trying to sort of engine build as well and get something that sort of works within the system that you're trying to get those points. So it had a lot of aspects to it and I liked it. It definitely was more complicated than your normal pile laying game, I guess. But overall, I think it was a fun game and it wasn't too long. I feel like those games can get really long sometimes and get too complicated. But like I said, it took about an hour with three people and, you know, Overall, I would say I don't, I didn't take a, a huge amount of time like I normally do with my turns that you're well aware of, but, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I played pretty quickly. And again, it was almost like, okay, I'm planning on doing this. And then that would go away. And you're like, all right, I'm only left with these two options. And you sort of just had to do those options as well. So it wasn't a lot of like, okay, let me think about these turns for 20 minutes. You could probably get some analysis paralysis with that game though, because there's so many things going on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's definitely a game that I think I'll look to pick up. I know they have different versions of it too, like they have just a dice game and just a card game, so it might be a, a simpler version as well. And I, I'm always a big fan of those bigger games being a little smaller, more you know travel friendly as well. Right, it helps when they're streamlined, especially when you're trying to teach other people. Absolutely, yeah, simplify the game. Um, that's definitely not a game that I think 
will bring to some of our newer friends that are learning games, but it's it's something that we could play or, you know, are more, I guess, nerdier. <laughs> I say maybe experienced. Maybe that's a nicer <laughs> way to say it. Our more experienced uh, gamer friends, that would be something that uh, I think they would enjoy. Mm-hmm. I, I want to talk about it just because we literally played it last night, and it was the first time that I ever got to play it. But you have more experience, so I think if you want to, I know you don't want to go too deep into it because it is a big game, but Gloomhaven, you want to explain sort of what Gloomhaven is as much I guess as short as you can, and then uh, I'll tell you how I felt about finally getting to play that. Gloomhaven, we could spend many, we could have a whole podcast probably just dedicated to it. There's a lot going into it. An easy way to describe it is it is a dungeon crawl tabletop game, but you don't need what is uh, what people would call either a game master or a dungeon master to run it. It all is generated by the creator. Everything is there for you. It sets up and has these different mechanics for how the different monsters act, how the map interacts with different objects. There's things like difficult terrain, immovable objects, line of sight. It brings in a lot of different things, but the way that the game does it generally, it starts out slow and it builds you and learns you everything. You came in towards the end of the expansion, which is at the end after you beat the original game. You your character has that just a, was that just a humble brag that you beat the original game? No, I mean we, it took us a long time. We probably played for I'd say forty ish missions, and then there's another fifteen or so in the after. There's a lot to the game. It took us several years of playing quite frequently. It's a lot of people balk at the price, but honestly, if you've ever played Dungeons and Dragons in the past or you wanted to, it's a great thing to kind of set up like a weekly or monthly, like, hey, we're going to get together and play a couple games. Characters have cards that represent their different abilities, and you pick two of those. There's an initiative that's in the middle, and that's how fast you go. One of the things that I enjoy is I play a tank character. You can actually tank in the game, whereas in a lot of tabletops you can't, in that the monsters have a directive that they attack the closest enemy that goes the fastest. So you can kind of, through manipulating your speed and putting yourself in between other people, make the monsters attack you versus the squishy mages behind you. There's a lot to it. There's a lot of great miniatures, and the whole community is really um, spoiler-centric so that they'll avoid, rather than using the names of the characters, they'll use the symbols so that if because you can see the symbols on the outside of the box, but you won't know what it is until you go through and unlock them through various quests and interactions. It's also a legacy game to add just a little bit more to my short quote-unquote description. It's a legacy game, so things that you do affect the game in the future, whether it's deciding to help a certain person or to attack a bandit or let them go. Yeah, I I mean, touching on that, obviously came in at that mission and I thought it was cool because you started off with that card where a guard came up to you and was like, I don't want to spoil anything, but they were like, hey, how's this thing going? It was funny because you're like, when the heck did that happen? Like, how many missions ago, you know, talking with your friend who you played all these missions with, like, when the heck did that happen? He's like, oh, I think it's when we did this. And, yeah, I think we decided not to finish that quest. And you had to choose to either lie and or tell the truth and obviously that affected the, your next mission and what you got. So I thought that was pretty cool. And then there was a another thing that, again, another card that you read, and depending on how you interacted with that, how it helped you, and it wound up helping us quite a bit for the next mission as well, 
again, I'm trying to believe sort of vague because I don't know much about the game, so I don't know if I say too much that it might spoil actual storylines in the game, too. But honestly, I really liked it. I thought it was it was close to as a video game, at least a dungeon crawler type video game that I've seen through a board game because there were so many options, whether it was how I moved or attacked. I liked the deck that you had that you could sort of choose on what you want to do instead of move three spaces. It was move three, jump. There's uh, other different things that you could do through your movement. There was also, I could summon things, which was cool too. There was different ways I could attack. It wasn't just like, okay, you have these, not to bad mouth, and I'm just going to mention Assassin's Creed that we're playing, which I love as well, but it's not as deep as obviously this uh, game is. No, not at all, but I still love Assassin's Creed. I think it's a simplified version of this game and absolutely love it. But it's like you have three, maybe four weapons that you can choose to attack with, and you roll a couple dice, and that's mostly what the attack is. And the most of the enemies that we're fighting in Assassin's Creed have one or two health, but Gloomhaven's completely different. It's You can do different spells, you can do different attacks, you can do basic attacks, and then the characters all have, they could be blocking, they have different options too, it's not just like they always move this way, they always attack with this attack, They you always roll these die with them, they had the cards that you could do, I also liked how when you attack, you have that base attack, and then you had a deck where you would flip a card, and it would either add zero, it could take away one, we had one card, which I think was because of the right answer, I guess, we gave to one of the NPCs before the mission, we got times two, which was really fun because I got to do my big ice attack, attack the big bad that was picking away our, our team and was able to double my damage to kill him and finish the mission. So that was fun. You know, that was cool. That triggered perfectly and had a lot of different aspects like effects that you had, whether it was poison, pushback, which, you know, obviously you didn't like as a tank because they were all ranged and kept pushing you back. So you couldn't really use your tank ability. So it was cool that and just like, oh, yeah, I'm a tank. I have all this health. I can take a ton of damage. I'm going to walk through this because there's really nothing this can do. And I'm just going through the motions. It's like, no, you you could definitely die. And there was a point where I got pretty low on health. And it was pretty much an option where, okay, am I going to use my big attack or am I going to try to heal? And I was like, let's roll the dice. And, well, there is no dice. But in terms of taking a yeah, uh, take the chance, and it wound up working well. So, honestly, it's it's such a good game. That being said, obviously it was set up before I got there, and the size of this game and the organization that our friend, uh, I'm trying to not say his name, I don't know if he'd care anyways, but the organization that he had to have, and not only just what the box is, the box itself is, I'd say, the size of like a, a – a microwave, pretty much. And then I think the game weighs over 30 pounds. I, could, I might even be more. I'm actually going to Google it right now just because it's one of those, one of the most impressive things is it's one of like the heaviest games to date. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it has all those miniatures, tons of different boards for how you set up the board. There's yeah. different terrain. There's, there was even traps. There was, it was much more extensive than like, again, I'll refer back to Assassin's Creed because that's probably the closest game that I've played to Gloomhaven before yesterday. 
Apparently, it's 22 pounds. Uh, sorry to interrupt real quick. It's 22 pounds, but I thought it was more, honestly, because, it, like you said, it's just giant. But, yeah, Assassin's Creed. I mean, 22 pounds. Uh, <laughs> still a, uh, for a board game. Most of them are a board game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, it's it's great. But, again, he had, like, all the extra stuff that he was talking about with the CD sleeves and he had like a file accordion folder I saw. He had separate little plastic bins for everything and really well organized. I don't think I could be that organized to set that up, but I think that's where things like board game tables, mm. that's why they exist. Because once you set it up, you have the characters out. Why put everything away if you have to pull it out? And I don't know how long that took for him to set up that mission, but... I, th- I guess you get a little quicker, and again, he had all those extra things that he bought to sort of streamline the process and organize it for him. But none of that was a overnight thing, though. That was over years of playing the game. It was like, hey, this will be a good option for this, and this will be nice for this. And it was oh, setting it up. We kind of got into a routine of what we needed. So, and there there are things like you said that some people do sell the inserts or the organization organizational tools for different games. Sometimes, though, the, I feel like there's a good ratio of how long it takes you to set up a game versus how long you're going to play. And Gloomhaven generally is something that you're not going to play on a whim. It's something that you're going to be, hey, we're getting together on Thursday, block off four hours because we're going to play a couple missions. Yeah, I feel like that a game like that, and I felt bad because obviously I was limited on time, so we were only able to play that one mission. But I feel like that would be something because... I know the board itself isn't too hard to set up. It's a couple big pieces of terrain and the enemies and whatever extra little doors or other things that go on the map as well. But it's getting your characters out, getting all their items out, getting the sheets out for, you know, whatever experience. Uh, all those things takes also a big chunk of the time that it takes And if you leak those out and you're just going through mission after mission and changing up the map and those boards and maybe a few enemies, I think that obviously saves time. So I feel like that is a game, like you said, that you'd have to play several missions in a row. Even when we play Assassin's Creed, I think pulling everything out and putting it away, that's something that I'd say doesn't take a huge amount of time, but it's also much more simplified than Gloomhaven is as well. Like, I mean, I can't even (laughs) explain how much more it's simplified. Not that it's a simple game whatsoever, but it's uh, definitely not to the scale of Gloomhaven. And even then, I feel like we usually only play one mission at a time when we're playing that and just getting everything set up, I know takes a little bit as well, but usually I'd say the missions are about, an hour, and I know you said Gloomhaven usually could be an hour to two hours for a mission as well, and we actually rushed through that mission that we played. So I don't mind taking those extra time for those long games. I just wish I had more time to do that. You know, those aren't like a board game night game. That's more of a board game day game. Like you said, that four-hour block. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so that's a something that we've talked about the show in the past is short games versus long games and it kind of depends on what the games are my sort of feeling is that i'm more willing to play or learn the short to medium games if it's a longer game i either want somebody to know the game through and through or to have played it in the past because there's that sort of feeling for me that i've 
my time is precious and I don't want to spend four and a half hours to play a game and have it just be awful and miserable and hate the whole experience or get a couple hours into the game and realize we've been playing it absolutely wrong and it completely changes everything, which has happened to us before. It's tough. I guess at the end of the day, I'd rather play four shorter or medium length games and love one of them, hate one of them and enjoy the two others versus play one long game and it's a crapshoot like i you know if it's great it's great but a lot of times those games get to be too much there's so much focus on how to do whatever in the game that it's like i don't really need this mechanic that bogs down a third of the game time it's funny though because like there's certain games that try to speed along the game as well that would be a longer game so and it's gonna kill me because i i'm i'm blanking on the name of the game but we played quite a few games that people take turns simultaneously. So everyone's doing everything, but you sort of have to trust everyone that you're playing with because there it's was, like, yeah, I'm going to do this move to do this move. And it's like, okay, I got 2,000 points. And it's, wait, what'd you just do? Like, how'd you do that? Right. I mean, um, there's a couple of games that we've done that through. There was the co-op game that we played with some friends that was like the aliens that we had to like roll to take out the different things. And it was a live, it was a, live game that like you had like six minutes to do the round hey everyone it's editing adam the game that gary's talking about is actually called project elite it's a cooperative game where you're a bunch of soldiers against aliens and in six minute rounds you simultaneously roll dice and take out those aliens has a bunch of cool miniatures uh, that you get to sort of fling off the board as you take them out Definitely suggest it if you get a chance to pick it up. Again, the name of that game is Project Elite. Now back to the show. And it was kind of like we're all just taking everybody's word that nobody's just cheating and everybody's not that we play with those sorts of people, but that can be frustrating. And I think Sushi Go, when we were teaching, we were teaching Sushi Go Party the other night to a group of friends. And that was another one where everybody was kind of just doing their turn and nobody, you really should be doing it simultaneously. But it, everybody was kind of just running through it, and it was hard to kind of keep track of what was going on. Not quite what you're talking about, but it's another case where, you know, you're not necessarily playing it as it's intended because we were teaching it that way, and that's how the people we were teaching were learning the game the best. Yeah, yeah, it's that simultaneous play where it's like there has to be that check and balance. And I get it because, again, if you're playing a game where simultaneous play and you want to hurry the game along because if everyone's like, okay, it's your turn, now do you, what you need to do, now it's your turn. And depending on how many players you have, you could push a game that normally takes an hour to possibly four or five. And we've had that experience. I wish, I shouldn't say I wish, but, and I understand probably why they do it. You know, an average game length time, you look at the box on the outside and it's like, oh, this game takes 60 minutes. And it's like, okay, it takes 60 minutes, but there's that time to set up however long, like we were talking about Blue Haven. If it's a new game that no one's ever played, it takes time to learn. So what's the learning curve? Like, I feel like there should be something that indicates that, whether it's on the box or well, obviously we use BoardGameGeek.com to sort of look up the complexity of the game, but that doesn't show the, like, learning time. Like, I understand complexity, but doesn't always mean how long it takes to possibly learn it for the first time. Well, how right. much time is that going to add? And then there's also the time that it takes to really, really see how the game plays. So it could be 60 minutes, but 
what's the player count? Is it, mm-hmm. you know, I like the games that are like, oh, it's 20 minutes per player. So it's like, okay, that makes sense because there's a game that is a two player, me and you playing it, we're going back and forth pretty quickly. We could get through a game, but then you add four or five people and it becomes a whole lot longer. So right. again, a game like we just played Sushi Party or Sushi Go Party, mm-hmm. I was except those, I don't know why, yeah. but seven player game is clearly going to take longer than a three player game. It's, it's, mm-hmm. It's clear, so you can't just put, like, yep, this is 60 minutes. And I know that might be an average, but if they said per player, I think that's a little bit better, uh, a little more accurate. But I I tend to I, – I like the longer games, and that's probably because I like the longer games that allow you to sort of think ahead. And I think um, I like being able to pivot in those – so if it's a longer game, I want to be able to pivot what I'm doing if I realize I'm losing. So if I, it's a maybe let's say a two hour game and I think we did this and I'm going to blank on the name and maybe I'll throw it in uh, during edit. Hey everyone, it's editing Adam again. The game that I'm talking about is called Exodus Fleet, a game where you're making a fleet of spaceships to do certain tasks to gain you points. What's cool is there's a lot of different things that you can do each round and the starting player decides on what everyone is going to do in that round from either purchase new spaceships, pick up cargo, mine planets, uh, explore. There's a lot of different things that you can do in this game, which make it a longer game, but it definitely is worth checking out if you're into those type of games. Uh, Again, the name of that game is Exodus Fleet. Now back to the show. We played that game at the board game weekend. It was the last game we played, and it was a quick game, quote unquote. That let's play a quick game to finish it off, and it took like I think four hours or something mm-hmm. like. And about spaceships and everything else, and you're mining planets and you're collecting resources in your typical resource gaining point gaining type of game, and. I realized I wasn't getting a lot of resources and I'm like, I don't know, you know, I, I don't think I'm going to be able to do the, the strategy that I want to. And you went with the strategy to get people, I guess. So you were more of a transportation fleet that you had. And I realized that I, I couldn't do that. I couldn't get the resources because there was a couple of players that were just mining every planet. And I was like, okay, that's not going to work. So I was like, I need a different strategy. And I wound up going the military route. So I know I kept on getting the military ships. I liked the fact that I realized, I think maybe round two or three, I'm like, my strategy of mining is not going to work what's my other strategy and i was like okay i'm going to go full military and try to get points that way so i do like that turn and being able to pivot a little bit because there's a couple times i think we just actually we just played furnace i wouldn't say just played but recently played furnace which is a game where you're what, moguls or I guess not moguls, but you're entrepreneurs and you're in the 1920s and you're buying up these factories and producing oil and iron ore and stuff like that. Then you're turning around and selling it and getting money and whoever has the most money at the end of the game wins. And I do like that game because I like the bidding aspect because how you gain those factories is their cards laid out. Each person gets to bid on it and you have four through one, and if you don't win the bid, so you don't win the card, there's still an action on that card that you get to trigger. And sometimes you don't even want to win the card. You just want that action. So you can bid like a lower number just to trigger the action and let someone else win the card. 
So we wound up collecting cards and I realized I picked, I think I invested mostly in whatever the metal was. I'll say iron, but I was like, okay, it's easier to get, but it's not worth as much as oil. I knew after I think round two that I'm like, this strategy isn't going to work. Um, I think you had the strategy of collecting oil and, uh, and just the right cards came out and I'm like, he's just going to run away with this. Like there's no way I'm going to catch up with him. And it was too late to pivot because it was such a short game that I couldn't pivot and actually catch up. And at that point, I was like, okay, we'll finish the game. I know he's going to win. Wasn't really. And again, it was also the Adam move. It's like, okay, do I tank Gary like I normally do or just let the game actually play? And I'm trying to get better with the maybe not tank Gary just to let other people win. So, yeah. I would appreciate that. (laughs) I'm trying to get better with that. Uh, definitely, definitely trying to get better with that. If it's a two-player game, obviously, I'm, I'm going after you at full force. But, you know, four-player games, uh, I'll, I'll leave it be. Again, I liked that game. I thought it was cool. If anyone gets a chance to play it, definitely suggest playing Furnace. It's a quick game. I like the bidding aspect, but not always bidding to win the card, to, you know, build up your little empire. It's Sometimes you just want to do that action that's on the card. It was just difficult for me seeing after round two that I'm like halfway during the game, I'm like, oh, there's almost no way I can win this game. Didn't mean that I wasn't still trying, but it was like, oh, I can't pivot. I can't start investing in oil now because I think it was you and one other player, but his system wasn't as good as your system. It doesn't matter. Like, they're still going to go after the same thing, but Gary's engine is already running and it's going to just win. So, there is, you know, it is tough when everybody's learning a game and nobody really understands the aspect of what you're going for. So somebody can manage to dominate something that everybody would traditionally be going for if everybody knew the game. So that's also, I try when I'm playing or teaching it to somebody else to kind of point out like, this is something that you're going to want to keep an eye on, or you're going to want to not ignore this aspect. Yeah. Good point about like teaching the game and then teaching the strategy. It's it's two different things. Um, And then there's just games that you sort of want to just teach the game itself and sort of let people figure out their own strategy, let them figure it out. And if they want to do it a certain way, let them do it a certain way. You can give suggestions, but doesn't mean that that's what they need to do. But yeah, I, I do like the quick, shorter games, especially when teaching people, because I have no problem teaching a long game, but I don't want to spend time teaching a long game and have someone not like it. So I mm-hmm. think the biggest thing is we seem to, well, I think we do a good job, obviously, with all the friends that we've taught, is we teach an, a smaller game that has an aspect of a bigger game. So, for instance, we taught Zombie Dice to a bunch of friends, which no one's ever played Zombie Dice. It's a simple game where you roll dice three at a time, you're a zombie, you're trying to get brains. If you roll a brain, it's pretty much a point. If gunshot, you got shot. If you get shot um, three times, you're over and you don't get to collect the points for the brain. So you can keep rolling as much as you want, but if you're shot three times, you didn't get any points. Or you can stop and be like, okay, I rolled a total of four brains. I'm going to keep those. So it's a push your luck game. So we started with that. Then we went to Loot and Run, which is another push your luck game where you can gather 
points for artifacts. You're pretty much running through pyramid, I guess is the theme that it's going through. And there's monsters in the pyramid, but you can keep running through the pyramid and drawing cards. These cards have treasures on them. And if you keep drawing them, you're obviously going to get points for those treasures, but some of them have monsters on it. It doesn't mean that you have to stop if you get a monster because no one can see your card, but at any point, Someone can pretty much call you out and be like, okay, reveal your cards. And if you have a monster and nothing to protect you from the monster, which are called amulets, then they get a bonus and you don't get any points. But if you decide on your turn to not continue to keep pulling cards and looting the pyramid and trying to get more treasure, you can actually just turn your cards in and get the points regardless of how many monsters showed up. So it's that push your luck of do I keep drawing cards, get more treasure, or if someone's going to call me out and then I actually don't get any points is a good transition to that. And I think it was also that whole player interaction. So I know I've talked about crossing, but we showed them crossing as well. So they could understand, like, you can pretty much have that player interaction where zombie dice doesn't have that. It's nice to start off with those smaller games. And then if they like those aspects, then be like, oh, here's a more difficult game that has those aspects. So you can refer back to, hey, remember when we played Zombie Dice? Hey, remember when we played Sushi Go? Uh, any of those type of games? This has a similar mechanic. And I think also when we played those games, too, we got to play them a few times because they were quick games. We played them once and they were they sort of got it. And then they were like, oh, I want to play it again because I want to do something different this time because I think I, I think I have another way that I could play and win this game. I think Crossing was one where a lot of people just pointed to the middle and didn't realize like, oh, I can steal more gems from other people. And then I think we had one game where a friend of ours just... I don't even know if they pointed to the middle twice. I think they just tried to steal everyone's uh, gems. It was fun just seeing you know, people getting the, the fact of the game like, oh, wait, I can do this. OK, I want to try that next turn and having them play the game. And obviously, if they want to play the game more than once, they probably like the game. So speaking of short and long games, we recently played, I think it was six people that we played with. Sticky Chameleons. Mm-hmm. I was telling you about this game that I played. My youngest and girlfriend that was really fun. And it's a dexterity game. So it's not your typical board game. Uh, you get these long sticky tongues. I don't, I don't know how old people are, but you used to get them like in those little coin vending machines and the little containers that you pop open and play with them a little bit. Then they got dirty and nasty and then you'd have to throw them away because they would stick to the wall and they'd get like fuzz and cat hair all over them or whatever else. But the whole point of the game is you have a bunch of cardboard bugs out on the table. You use the tongues to grab them. And how you decide on which one to go for is you roll a color dice and you roll a bug type. So you're going for a blue butterfly or you're going for a green caterpillar. You roll it and then everyone goes for it all at the same time, trying to whip their sticky tongues to grab that cardboard piece. And what's fun about the game, too, is not only that, but even if the person grabs it with their tongue, someone else can still go after it until they take it off their tongue and place it on the table. The other thing, too, is there's wasps or bees. I don't know exactly, but if you pick up one of those, then you unfortunately have to shake those off before you can actually score the other one. So while you're trying to shake off a wasp because you have the blue caterpillar that everyone wants, they're also going to try to be getting the bug off your tongue as well. 
well. So this isn't a game, however, that you want to play if you have pets around for one, because I yeah. think as an incident where your uh, one of your dogs ate one of the wasps as well as was like trying to grab at the tongues as they're flying around. So it's certainly something you got to be wary of or children. And I think you also want to play it in an area that you'll be able to find the items because many times when we were, everybody was going for them, the bugs were getting like knocked off the table in everybody's haste. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, what's funny is when we packed it up, I was missing, I think it was the blue caterpillar or whatever it was. And I actually found it two days later. It was behind my TV. So luckily I did find it, but they, they go flying. Cause obviously, you know, you have, it's, I wouldn't even say organized chaos. It's mostly chaos, but I liked it. Garrett, what'd you think about it? Cause that was your first time playing it. It was fun. It's not something that I'm going to be chomping at the bit again to play, but it was a fun enough game. And I did like that. It was pretty entertaining. The, the dexterity aspect and just everybody competing and going for it. But you didn't, you weren't like, oh man, I'm so pissed that I missed that. It was just like, oh, it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. You sort of laugh when you, someone gets it and you're sort of impressed sometimes when someone does just like instantly perfectly grab it with their tongue. I also like the fact, cause I think you mentioned it too when we were playing is, you can have as the cleanest house as possible. These things stick to everything and pick up every particle of dust and everything else and sort of just lose their stickiness as you're playing it. And you can play to a certain point, but I think at one point you're like, my my tongue's not even sticky. And it's like, okay, well, then there, there's the end of the game. That's that's when we know to call the game and say it's over. But they do rinse off. I rinsed them off, left them out to dry, and they retain their stickiness. And then they go in these little pouches so you can play again. So even if they do get a little dirty, you can still rinse them off and clean them and still use them next time. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say this is not a, wouldn't be a board game. I don't even know what you would actually call it. It, it is a dexterity game, and it's more entertaining than anything and it's more of a fun break i think this would be good like in between maybe those crazy like we were talking about those longer two-hour type games where Mm -hmm. you're twisting your brain trying to figure out complex math and equations and strategy and things like that Uh, i'd also say that this is good for uh, obviously kids like this is definitely a good a fun kids game and if you have Younger kids that you're not going to strategize with, obviously, but this is a fun game that any age, I think, can play from five and up. I don't know exactly what the age suggestion is, but I'm saying five-year-olds can sort of get it and still have fun with it, even if, like I said, they don't win or not. It's still fun to just whip that sticky tongue around. Mm -hmm. So much where Noelle decided to, before we even started the game, throw it at the ceiling and then almost got it completely stuck to the ceiling because she was trying to pull it off. So, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty much it. I know it's almost 530 where we live, and we both have to cook dinner, so we can call it quits here. I think we've made a podcast every month. Have we been consistent with that? Yeah, we're we're – it's only been three months at this point since we started, but we've done uh, one a month, and I think that's kind of the pace we're shooting for. More than that, and it starts to be too much of a hassle, for in my opinion, and less of a just something I enjoy. Yeah, yeah. Like with, I mean, if we were getting paid money to do this and this was our job, uh, we definitely would be doing more. But obviously, we have our other jobs and we have our other requirements in life that we have to do. 
even then, we, we also need time to actually play games to have something to talk about. I think I was telling you before, I am averaging a game a day right now, which is a little crazy and not on the norm, but mm-hmm. we obviously need to have time to play the games, to talk about the games, and trying to match up schedules with everyone else, even us trying to match up the schedule to get some time to record it's also that decision of do we want to play a game or record it. And usually we pick play a game because, you know, obviously we like playing games and that's why we're doing this podcast. So, yeah, I mean, that should be it from me. I mean, we hit the cutoff for January. Maybe we'll do an earlier recording, I think, in February, not wait to the last minute, especially because my birthday coming up and think in March we have a lot of things coming up as well. So we might be busier, so we'll try to get it probably earlier in the month. Might not be an entire month to the next episode when we release it, but we'll be out in February. Mm-hmm. Oh, anything else? I think that's it. I think we babbled on more than we normally do, so mostly more than I have babbled on more than mm-hmm. you. Uh, again, as always, if you have any suggestions, Email us at mobilemeeplepeople at gmail, gmail.com, obviously. But And you can also search for us on Facebook, Mobile Meeple People. Uh, we are also on TikTok. I still have not set up the Instagram. Not sure how many pictures I'm going to be taking, so, but we will be on there. And hopefully we will be doing event or two we will be working on setting that up with our mobile board game library i think that's pretty much it gary you got anything uh no just enjoy these uh nice cold and rainy days by playing some games with some friends grab a couple or find out you know if anybody's got some around you and you know go out there and try some new games yeah the weather has been perfect to stay inside and play some board games so good suggestion but other than that you will hear from us Hopefully soon. Take care, everyone. Bye.